Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Becoming Fully Human podcast. Today is a solo episode where I will be reviewing and reinvestigating and sharing my updated thoughts on caffeine and coffee. So I wrote an article in 2018 called The Caffeine Cult, which I will link to in the show notes. This little, I shouldn't say little, long-ass article made quite a ripple, I think, in the world um, of the internet. The, The article itself went somewhat viral. It still to this day has unfathomable views. Uh, in my opinion, based on how small my website is. And I continue to get messages to this day about it, people thanking me, um, sharing their thoughts. And I thought it was time to give you an updated take on the article itself. And a lot of things remain. Um, some things don't. I well, let's start here. I haven't had coffee in. I hadn't had coffee in probably like five years. Two thousand eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty. Yeah, about five years, let's say. And except for once, I actually went for a walk with a friend in Toronto, and I randomly felt like having a coffee. This was probably after two years of not having any and I had a single shot espresso and it was like I did a line of cocaine which I am definitely familiar with a feeling from back in the day it was like I did a line of cocaine I was talking my head off I was like like so g'd up for being on this walk I was like power walking it was like you know I was probably sweating like it was just totally cocaine vibes and that solidified to me a lot of the things that I believed about coffee at the time and yeah I just continued on with my no coffee life for another couple of years and then just before going to Colombia so I got back from Colombia now about a month ago and just before going on that three-week trip kind of had the ping to have a coffee and I mean I found it quite interesting because this was not coming from a place of addiction I hadn't had a coffee in years and years and years and I've always I mean I used to really enjoy coffee I would use it in an abusive way not initially. I mean, my relationship with coffee, if we go all the way back, was one of disgust initially. And I started drinking it begrudgingly in university because I was burning the candle at both ends and I needed to stay up to study. Um, staying up to party was done with other stimulants. <laughs> and... Yeah, to study I needed I needed to start caffeinating. And so I remember I would um have these foul like 
caramel mocha macchiato somethings from Tim Hortons that were on the campus at McGill. And it would be like 90% milk, some coffee, and 200% sugar and like artificial flavors. And yeah, so that like introduced me to coffee. And then I eventually became conscious of how many toxic things were in the coffee that I was having and eventually transitioned to drinking it black. I would get these in like the prime of my, um, I would say the prime of my abusing my body unknowingly because so much of our, in air quotes, health culture is imbued in like overtraining, overcaffeinating, undereating. So at that time in my life when I was about 21 and it was really at the time when I was diagnosed with PCOS actually, but anyways, I was going to Starbucks in the morning and getting whatever the hugest size of black coffee on ice before going to the gym. Um having one or two a day, like the amount of caffeine in that I don't even want to know. And but at least I wasn't having it with, you know, the shitstorm of of artificial flavors and tons of sugar which arguably wasn't that much better considering it was pesticide sprayed coffee made with tap water but anyways um yeah and then I had that relationship with coffee and over time I eventually worked at my friend's organic shop in Sydney and We were making these bulletproof concoctions with like four shots or five shots of espresso. And I was working just before that at a gym and also like to to work out in the morning, I had to have my like four shots espresso. And it was really this relationship of like force, I guess, (laughs) needing the caffeine to perform just daily life tasks feeling human like you hear this so often like I'm not don't talk to me until I have my coffee and that is terrifying like you should definitely be able to talk to people before having your morning coffee and that's what sleep's for like you sleep to rest and rejuvenate and the waking up occurs as a byproduct of just opening your eyes anyways so I eventually realized I was caffeinating way too much and I in full Capricorn went cold turkey and just didn't have coffee ever again until that time I went on a walk with my pal and it confirmed the article that I had written I was already a couple years into not having had coffee and I wrote that article and yeah and then fast forward to to let's say about a month and a half ago when I started getting this like "Hmm, I kind of want a coffee and I found that interesting right having not had coffee in so many years and feeling I guess a sense of like pride ego like the ego loves I don't drink coffee you know I I survive my day without coffee I haven't had a coffee in years like I definitely enjoyed saying that (laughs) And so I watched it. I was like, wow, okay, you want a coffee? And I I was about to go to Colombia. So I figured, hey, if you still want a coffee, this is me talking to my body. If you still want a coffee, I'll find a really good, like, Colombian beans. Colombia is known for coffee. So I thought I would go and have a, you know, 
specialty coffee there and have it as this like cultural experience but then in Colombia the opportunity to have a really good coffee never presented itself and definitely was you know not coming from a place of addiction again I don't think you can unless it's like a phantom addiction but there was just no real opportunity to have um, a great coffee there and you know it would pop into my head let's say like once a week be like oh I'd really like a coffee and anyways no coffee opportunity in Colombia and so when I got back to Mexico I went to the farmer's markets on Sunday morning in Roma and there are these amazing organic markets and they have this guy sells handmade coconut milk it's delicious it's the best coconut milk I've ever had and I bought a couple and a couple coconut waters and I kept walking through the markets and there was a coffee stand making organic coffee and I had my coconut milk and I was like okay I'm gonna do it I want one I've had breakfast um I'm gonna have a coffee and just see how it goes and um in terms of mouth pleasure 10 out of 10 it was delicious I enjoyed it so much the smell of it just everything was incredible unlike the time where I had it in Toronto a couple years ago there was no um no caffeine like related high um which I'll get to in a little bit in terms of like the amendments I feel about my article, um, which I attribute to the fact that A, I had it with really fatty coconut milk. I also had it after food, um, which I definitely think are very important, but we'll get to that later. And however, I had heart palpitations for the rest of the day. I never get heart palpitations ever. And it was very strange it was a little bit concerning I was like whoa what the what the hell um and still curious though like pretty dang sure it was the coffee because I absolutely never experienced heart palpitations and heart palpitations are a side effect of uh caffeine slash coffee for many people and so yeah, I mean, I stayed curious because the reality of that particular day, and I really didn't think about it too much, I probably should have given it slightly more of a think, is that Mexico City has an extremely high elevation, um, and I had just been at sea level for three weeks, so one very high elevation, which just changes everything within the body, no time to acclimatize because I landed at, I got into my hotel at 2 a.m., which I usually go to bed at 8.30 p.m., so for me that was, you know, a very, very, very late night um, on the back end of flying, which is also a lot of stress on the body, and the leaving, I was, it was a shit show getting out of Columbia, so um yeah, there, I was experiencing a lot of physical stress in my body and had bad sleep, which it's funny, like I just didn't even think about it. I wasn't having the coffee for energy. I felt actually pretty good, but I've 
Pretty sure I wrote this in the article and I've definitely said it before. The last time you want to have coffee is if you've had a bad sleep because you lose the cues that your body has to communicate with you in terms of symptoms and even as simple as tiredness where you can use caffeine to enhance feeling good but I would not use it ideally and look even as I say that I can understand if you're a new mom or new dad and you know you have no other option I say that semi rolling my eyes because I mean there's always options and the way that we live in our modern world is pretty retarded in terms of being dissociated from community and help so anyways that's a whole other rabbit hole but no judgment um but yeah I had very little sleep in terms of my regular you know routine just got off flying I'm at elevation and so I wasn't sure that the caffeine in of itself was causing my heart palpitations as opposed to like the perfect storm of variables that may have contributed so I figured I would give myself a couple of weeks and then have another coffee and just see um, how that went and so I did that and yeah the second time I had a coffee a couple weeks later I felt great again after food I had it with a lot of fatty coconut milk organic coffee just a single shot again Um, I've probably had four coffees since coming back from Colombia, about one a week. Um, yeah, and they feel great. And so I figured I would update you with my musings on the article four years later. Um, so... Things that remain that I did try to convey in the article. I mean, I think the biggest problem, to be honest with the article, that I even subconsciously knew then is that I demonized coffee as being like the bad guy of the caffeine world. And this is done across the board currently in the you know the current health scene is that matcha is this like is the green light and coffee's the bad guy and really sure there's l-theanine and there's aspects to matcha that make it more of a like mellow high if you want to put it that way with less of a crash but really it it's there's so much more to the story and caffeine I'm just gonna say it caffeine is caffeine it's how I see sugar as well now I was brainwashed for a very long time by the the idea that like white sugar is any different than coconut sugar than honey than maple syrup the reality is in the body caffeine is caffeine and sugar is sugar so it really has less to do with like oh there's you know there's more minerals in coconut sugar and whatever the glycemic spike you get from sugar is is the same no matter what sugar you have and in the same breath caffeine is caffeine so I think the biggest issue that I take with my article now four or five years after writing it is that 
I, I created a hierarchy when it comes to caffeine and some being good and some being bad. And I do not believe that anymore. Um, so yeah, what remains is it, it is your relationship to the thing, which is one of the biggest kind of downloads I had while I was writing that is that people say that they're not addicted to caffeine. And I say that in including all forms of caffeine, matcha, coffee, energy drinks, whatever you take that is stimulating, um, is, is really getting real with yourself in what your relationship is to it and how it props up aspects of your life that are unsustainable without it. And I think it's very easy for us in this current you know, health environment to glorify the use of matcha as being this like ultra healthy alternative to coffee when the reality is caffeine is caffeine. And there are ways to mitigate the, um, the spike and subsequent drop that maybe something with more caffeine, like a strong coffee would, would produce in the body versus a matcha. For example, by having it with something fatty like whole milk or coconut milk um having after food which you should probably be doing whether you're having matcha or coffee um you know so it's it's like the amount of people that are completely addicted to matcha is real and it's not because it's this like you know healthy alternative to coffee that people aren't equally addicted to it and equally have an unhealthy relationship whereby, you know, they can't get through a work day without the pick-me-up or it's it's propping up really anything in your life that is unsustainable without it. That could be a relationship, that could be a job, that could be your workout routine. Um, like I said in the article, it, it's tapping a credit card with with money you don't have. It's energy you don't have. So if you're not equally building in more rest to make up for the fact that you are essentially severing yourself from your intuitive relationship to your body because if your body's tired and you're caffeinating with no matter what you're caffeinating with you're you're losing that ability to really honor your intuition because you can't even really hear it and so yeah, your relationship to the thing is what's most important, whether it's coffee or matcha or black tea or chai or, you know, whatever else it is. And that, yeah, that doesn't make coffee any better or worse than matcha. And I think, so that's the first thing that remains from the article, but more so like, in dismantling the hierarchy that I do feel I built in the article about one being better than the other, they're not. It really depends on how you interact with them and relate to them. And I would say the majority of people that have caffeine most days are lying to themselves. Like, yeah, you enjoy it and you enjoy the routine of it and the ceremony of it and the whatever. But like, if push comes to shove and you could be given the exact same tasting warm drink in the morning with zero caffeine it wouldn't hit the same because it feels good i get it 
but just be honest with yourself, I guess. And I'm speaking to myself as well. Like over the years, definitely, even with matcha, I've had this like, you know, I might think probably better relationship than most people because I don't drink it when I'm on my cycle or the few days um, or week prior um, to give my body a rest. And I don't drink it if I'm exhausted in the morning because of a bad sleep. But still, you know? I think we overdo caffeine and yeah like most people are just the masters of self-deception and look whatever deceive yourself for as long as you want to but you're the only person who's really being harmed by this the self-deception so you know maybe think about that if you want to or don't um yeah, I'm I'm looking at a few notes I made. Like I wrote caffeine fundamentally ruins our relationship to reality and it does. It just does. Same with depressants. Same with melatonin, same with alcohol, same with anything that artificially makes you more or less like your yourself is yourself the right word? Basically listening and honoring your body requires knowing what your body is saying so yeah but is coffee the bad guy like what doesn't really remain from the article is definitely the this like you know there's less caffeine and matcha it I don't think that really landed even when I wrote the article like I was too I was definitely too unconscious to it to really realize it otherwise I wouldn't have written and posted it but even at the time, there was something like there was like a, a whisper of like, this is bullshit. And you know it. But I don't know. It was a whisper. And yeah, I think just demonizing or glorifying caffeine as in, it, in its entirety is a disservice because there's more to the story. And part of what that story is is definitely what a how the coffee itself is made so let's go all the way back to the beans are they organic or not yes that matters coffee is extremely sprayed as a crop um so you don't want to be drinking glyphosate and roundup and whatever other chemicals are sprayed onto the coffee that definitely like irrespective of the caffeine you don't want to be consuming toxins so organic coffee being important um what else what water the coffee's brewed in this is a big one um you know you might be going to an organic coffee shop but are they brewing their coffee in tap water not ideal and then also what else is the coffee made of like the coffees that I used to drink when I was in university like I said were just oh my god I don't like pure poison really so does your coffee have artificial sweeteners does it have artificial flavors what is the milk like is the milk skim milk is it homogenized and pasteurized um all these alternative uh, vegan like milks, I'll call them, made of coconut or or nuts. So often they have 
thickeners and vegetable oils and added synthetic fortified vitamins and guar gums and tons of weird shit and all these barista blends i mean really ask questions if you're getting your coffee made for you ask questions look at actually look at the milk bottle because for baristas to froth the drinks in the way that they do these milks are chemical shitstorms so so yeah like caffeine aside what makes your coffee or your matcha or whatever else healthy or not really is so rooted in what else comes with it i mean this kind of parallels the the argument that red meat is bad for you and really these studies that were done were not even factoring in the quality of the meat or the size so you could have a grass-fed grass-finished steak with a side of homegrown organic sweet potato um, wedges roasted in the oven in tallow and a side like a side of steamed broccoli or you could have a mcdonald's burger with whatever poison bun they use deep fried in canola oil french fries and um soda pop on the side and a mcflurry for dessert and those were both considered a meat meal so don't be retarded like you know the quality of the overall meal per se whether it's you know when it comes to meat the whole sides and everything or if it comes to caffeine the the quality of the beans of how they're roasted of how if you drink decaf like decaf i i touched on this in the article is often um a process that uses chemicals so you know really investigate every step of the supply chain when it comes to your food and and realize that beyond the concept of caffeine or beyond the concept of red meat like what makes something healthy in air quotes or not really has to do with the, the bigger picture and yeah and then of course there's the caffeine timing which is huge when it comes to severing your relationship to your body's intuition because if you have caffeine upon waking first of all you're not going to know if you slept well you're not going to know if something in your life is maybe needing to be adjusted so that you can sleep better like having a really deep great sleep is so important so if you wake up and you roll out of bed and you have your coffee um you know give your body a chance to talk to you basically and the other problem with that is that you're already interacting with your life in a way that you don't actually know is sustainable or not so try exercising like try doing your exercise routine for a week with zero caffeine no stimulants no nothing no pre-workout and see like can you actually keep up with the pace that you're running your life at and yeah even caffeine when it comes to cortisol spike like some people get quite a big blood sugar um spike when they consume even black coffee it's super bio individual um but if you have your caffeine after you have food 
not only will you prevent a big spike, but also you won't um, blunt your hunger response, which, you know, a healthy hormones, healthy body, when you wake up, you're hungry. You know, I know we live in a culture of intermittent fasting and fasting and, you know, skip breakfast and fasted exercise, but like that is very quickly going out the door and in favor of like, you know, mitigating stress and feeling safe in your body and honoring your body, embodiment, um, intuition, loving yourself. Um, so yeah, if you have a caffeine straight first thing in the morning, caffeine's an appetite suppressant. So you might think, oh, I'm not hungry till noon, but like maybe your body's like, hey, you know, I'm starving. Why did you just put the, you know, you basically put earplugs and you're like, oh, no, I don't hear any hunger cue. It's because you've blunted your hunger response. It doesn't mean your body doesn't need food. And sure, you can do that short term, even maybe medium term. But in the long term, this is what destroys health. So I guess it's like you're not getting away with things <laughs> when you have any caffeine. You're not getting away with, you know, over-exercising or under-eating or doing a job you hate or being in a marriage you hate or, you know, insert whatever you do that isn't sustainable without a caffeine or without a relationship to caffeine. You don't actually get away with any of these things. So, I mean, take this advice or not, but it it's super interesting to remove the thing and then just look at your life what collapses what doesn't what is sustainable what isn't and from that place you actually get to have self-awareness and you can start to make choices for yourself that are rooted in truth as opposed to the delusion that is over caffeinating particularly when you're caffeinating before food um what else i mean I guess that's it. I don't even know if I have anything to say about this last topic, but let's see what comes out of my mouth. Um, Because I know in the pro-metabolic world, there is an obsession with coffee. and, And I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we hear in, in terms of people's relationship to coffee and the pro-metabolic community and all the benefits it can have for metabolism and the antioxidants and blah, blah, blah. It's like there is more to substances than literally their like nutritional profile and direct physical impacts on like say blood sugar. Because I know a lot of the people in this pro-metabolic community are obsessed with coffee and a friend of mine took a few weeks off of coffee and the pro-metabolic community was ripping him a new one. It's like, if coffee is like your actual god and you can't fathom living without it, no matter what you think about addiction or whatnot, don't let anything control your life like that. You Like, you shouldn't actually need anything. and And when it comes to caffeine especially is like okay maybe 
maybe it's it's not harming your metabolism and maybe it's not spiking your blood sugar because you have it after with food or you have it with you know collagen or you have it with whatever an egg yolk but I would still challenge you to take some serious time off of it and just look at your life like just look at your life you know what in your life is now increasingly difficult because you don't have access to this artificial and I say artificial energy energy source that's really not even what it is it's really a credit card because you're robbing from your future self unless you build a life that really honors deep rest and that's difficult to do if you caffeinate seven days a week like yeah challenge yourself you know do do a little experiment take weekends off take two days a week off take like really even even in that right even in taking the weekends off like look at what resistance comes up for you if you have to take weekends off of caffeine and for those that are on the no coffee train what other you know is it is it matcha is it chai is it whatever form of stimulant you consume what resistance comes up in your mind at the thought of taking weekends off what is it that you love the routine is that if you just you know weekends are slow and you get to have your coffee okay then why not take monday and tuesday off monday tuesday and wednesday zero caffeine now what resistance comes up is it the thought of going to work without having had any coffee or any tea and if so be curious like what is it about life without caffeine that would feel more difficult is it the nature of your job is it the fact that you get up at 4 a.m to exercise before going to work like could you even do that without caffeine three days a week and for women like it's so profound to just press pause on all all caffeine ideally a week but let's say four days before your period and throughout your period because this is the time in your cycle where intuition is skyrocketing the veil between the worlds is very thin you really get to hear your body you get the opportunity to shed what's no longer serving you and call in what is. You can only do these things if you really get quiet and still and hear your body. Like hear hear your body saying, hey, this doesn't work for us. Like this no longer works. Or this, you know, this needs tweaking. And so if you're powering through your life without honoring your cycles and you're in your reproductive years and your menstruating years, really you're assaulting your body like straight up because and you're not even tapping into the possibility of vibrant health that exists when you actually honor the four phases of your menstrual cycle and that some phases need more rest and some phases thrive on socializing and more energy and you you really don't get to to live in tune with nature the nature that is 
your feminine body. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. It's nothing like dramatic, I guess, in terms of the article being like wrong. I just think that I probably demonized coffee in a way that is completely unnecessary. And the way that I demonized it, let's say, applies to all caffeine. Maybe that's a better way to put it. That the hierarchy of coffee being bad guy and matcha being the good guy is just untrue. It's really more about applying these principles that I wrote about to all caffeine in your life and treating coffee, actually treating your body with reverence, like understanding that these substances, they feel good, yes. They're fun, yes. Part of life is also like, you know, chill out. It's not (laughs) the end of the world. Um, You should be able to engage with substances that you really do enjoy if you can do it in a responsible way, though, because in the long run, I guess it depends on your priorities. If feeling good in the long run and your health and, you know, building a life that you that that you love and that is sustainable in the long run, if that matters to you, then exploring your relationship to caffeine is so important. Whether or not you're a fast metabolizer or not, like really it's tuning in and saying, hey, what is my relationship to this thing? How can I improve my relationship to it? Which of course, like I said, quality of all the ingredients, how you time your caffeine consumption, how regularly you caffeinate. Um, If you're a woman, honoring your cyclical nature. And yeah, just basically asking yourself like, where what is, what is my, in, like, what decisions are in the greatest good for my health, for my life, for my relationships? And I think hopefully from that place, you can start to get curious and experiment. At the very least, like, explore the, the possibilities of you know, experimenting and just watch the resistance in your body that comes up at the thought of it. Start there. Okay, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Until next time.